Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode number five of my podcast, The Chase Doesn't Know Podcast. I have two shout outs on this one before we get into it. Number one, shout out to Trooper Palmer. Yes, State Trooper Palmer pulled me over the other day and gave me a speeding ticket for, I mean, I technically was speeding, so I guess he was legally obligated to write me a speeding ticket. But um, once we got, once I got out of the car and he patted me down and checked for drugs and firearms, once we got past all of those things and put me in handcuffs on the side of the road, just kidding, he didn't do any of that. But we chatted about my podcast, interestingly enough, and I told him to check it out. So if you're listening to this, Trooper Palmer, uh, you should be on the next episode. So message me on Instagram. My handle is at Chase Weatherly. Second shout out before we get into the episode is to my buddy, Carl Wiggers. This is his second shout out. And no one will ever get more than two shout outs on this podcast. So relish this moment, Carl. This is your moment. But Carl's been hooking me up with some equipment to make this thing sound nice. And on top of that, for this episode with my special guest on this number five episode, number five episode, with my special guest on this fifth episode, he let us record in his professional podcasting studio. Yes, it was like super official. We had amazing microphones and soundproof walls and a door that you have to slam shut because it's so soundproof. It was amazing. We were all sweating bullets halfway through because it's like so sound and AC proof. So thanks for that, Carl. It was awesome. Along with Carl joining in on this episode of the podcast, we also had Casey's cousin and my brother-in-law, Caleb, sitting in with us to have a chat. So if you hear some uh, laughs in the background and some not great questioning um, that doesn't sound like my voice, then that's one of those two amateur podcasters tuning in. So uh, just ignore this, guys, while we go through here. Anyway, so my guest, Casey Crawford, he is an interesting fella, a couple years older than myself, but has ventured down a lot of roads, creative roads, that are very interesting. And one thing that I like about Casey is that he just does what he wants to do and doesn't really care much about what other people think or say about him, or at least that's how it appears. And that is something that I can admire. He's a husband and a father of four. He is a legendary podcaster. He started one of my favorite podcasts of all time, Smashville, back before podcasting was cool. Him and his friend Alex recorded something like 50 or 60 episodes of the funniest dialogue ever, including a scene-by-scene -scene description of Star Wars Episode One. That episode uh, is definitely one of my favorite podcast episodes of any genre of all time. On top of that, Casey has ventured into comic book writing. He is the author of multiple comic books. He's a stand-up comedian, having done years of stand-up, which we talk about extensively in this podcast. And on top of that, has been playing guitar, singing, writing songs most of his life, and recently reignited his songwriting passions and has dove right back into the world of music. So we talk about a bunch of this stuff and his creative ideas in general, how he pre approaches his creativity, how he deals with the inner torture of being a creative person. And we actually start off talking about his kids so without further ado, let's jump into this episode with the legendary Casey Crawford. 
I'm actually we're actually sitting in a studio right now. It's a big time. We have hit officially the big time. As a legit podcaster, in five I can episodes. say this is the most legit I've ever felt. <laughs> That's excellent. I had to roll out the red carpet for you. Yeah. We we also have some beverages here in front of us. Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola Classic. They were in partaking. Ice cold. <laughs> uh, cool. So, yeah, shout out to Carl. He's right over there. Shout out to what Caleb. Up? He's right over there. I'm on the mic. And we're in a podcast studio on the Chase Doesn't Know podcast. It's real. Uh, I love your shirt. Thank you. Why Buckies. don't you tell me about the super long, annoying drive that you have to get over here from Daytona Beach? Daytona by, Beach, by the way, Florida. Has, has there been like a like a? Do you intro me before all this? Yeah, there's like an intro thing. Okay. I'll do later. Yeah, no, I knew that because I listen. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you should sure. know. Yeah. Wow. I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, from Daytona Beach, it's ten hour drive with four kids. Uh, I got four kids and a wife and a wife. Uh, God willing. <laughs> uh, so it's it's actually not that bad as they've gotten older and older. Now two of them have phones, so it's like uh, they just disappear. How old are they? Into that. Uh, they are 13, 11, 9, and 6. And the 9 and 6 have the phones? Yes. We gave the youngest one to teach the older ones a lesson. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Parenting 101 right here. What is the... All right, right, here we go. This is a good question. Are you ready? Yeah. What's the best lesson that you can teach your kids? The best lesson I can teach my kids? Do you want a serious answer to this? (laughs) (laughs) Is any part of... I don't know. Are we serious? No? I don't know. Uh, The best lesson I could teach my kids? I don't know. Um, Man, this probably isn't great advice, but I, I would just urge my children to like... I always hope that they... This sounds so dark. I always hope that they won't be creative people. Like, I hope they will find, like, deep fulfillment and being, like, an accountant or something that's really reasonable that you can go to school for and you can get a great job at. Like, I hope that they are not like me, where you could probably get one of those jobs, but you'll just feel like you hate your life all the time. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, yeah. (laughs) Or if they do become creative people, I hope that they figure out a way to do it in a reasonable way that makes money. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the this is uh, well one of the very big reasons that I wanted to have you on the podcast at the excellent suggestion of Caleb because you're in town for a week um, was because you are a legendary podcaster. Legendary people on this. St- your podcasting Think about the Mount officially more podcast. You got Marin, <laughs> you got Rogan, you got Kevin Smith, and then me. That's us. <laughs> Officially podcasting before it was cool to podcast. Yes. I'll do everything when it's not cool. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so Smashville was Smashville. was the podcast. Huge, huge shout out to Smashville and our buddy Alex. Indeed. And Indeed. the good old days of just like. Of uh, staying up at my house till three <laughs> o'clock in the morning for almost two years. Um yeah, Smashville. We did it for two years. Go look for it on the internet. You won't find it. I took it down. <laughs> I have all the episodes. Just send me an email. I'll send you all Perfect. 70 or 80 gonna, of them. I'm definitely going to email you after this. I was looking for them earlier and couldn't find them. I just went uh, and listened to them not that long ago. Not uh-huh. all of them, because that would be like 100-something <laughs> hours. of. But I listened to a bunch of them, and I do miss it, but I realized that Alex and I, we probably... Like, 
when we were having a great time, we were having a great time. But I realized there was a lot more head bumping than I would than I recall actually there being. I was always just like, oh, what a fun time. And then I'd listen to it and we would be arguing about stuff sometimes. And I was like, I don't even remember having this argument. <laughs> That's great. I actually thought like this would be an excellent interview if we just came in here and I said hi to people listening and then just let you tell your vasectomy story. <laughs> because that episode of Smashville was like I like we I first of all listened to it and it was hilarious and then listened to it again with uh another couple and my wife on the way to Florida. Funny, not to see you, unfortunately. But we listened to it again, and la- I may- I'm think I might have laughed harder the second time I listened to it. And I wish I could go listen to it again, but it's not on the internet, so I'm gonna have to email you, you for email that, me episode. that episode only. Yeah, <laughs> I started doing that as a stand-up bit, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, I've worked it into a, a workable 50 or so minute story. Uh, it goes great. Excellent story. Wonderful. Yeah, just real quick for those who don't know you, could you tell us your age and why you got a vasectomy at your age? <laughs> well, as I and what age you I were stated, when you got a vasectomy? I had, well, I have four children, so that's the reason I had a vasectomy. But I am thirty-two, and I had that vasectomy five years ago, five or six years ago at this point. So you and I are, we'd say, best friends, yes. brothers. You had a vasectomy before I had my first kid. <laughs> that is true. And we were the same age. I've got a friend that it's in his like he's mid twenties and he just got his had a vasectomy. Wow. And I was like, what are you thinking? But apparently he's not the only one. So I'm fascinated Yo, by it's, this. Uh, it's super sick. Everybody get one. <laughs> <laughs> and and then all of a sudden realize that you never had spontaneity. <laughs> but now you do. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore. It's great. <laughs> um so creative. Uh, this was I don't know if I was I don't know where I stopped a second ago. Whenever I was like saying this is why I wanted to interview Casey because I'm on a podcasting podcast. legend. That's right, that podcasting legend. <laughs> exactly. Uh, live will forever live on in in the private archives of Casey's computer. Indeed. Um, but yes. Yeah, so you're a creative. I'm a creative person, and I've heard a lot of things like you know creative this, creative that, whatever. But the Chase doesn't know podcast. I don't know. I feel like I don't know how it is to be a creative. And I know that word is like super open a million different things. And is especially job is in the last creative? like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have a BA in create. Um, <laughs> More like a BS. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is a perfect role for the fourth mic. <laughs> Truly morning zoo. Where's the sound effects, but <laughs> Yeah. We do. We might need a sound effects, effects rag for this one. <laughs> Toilet flushing. Yeah. Can somebody pull up the rap air horn one? That's the one that's the best. I, uh, so uh, it's, for me, I mean, creative can be a million different things. Like right, I feel like right. my mom, my mom's a hairdresser and she's super, super good at it. Like sh- there's people that have moved out of Florida that fly to Florida to come see my mom because she is that good. Also, and some super... celebrities, if we can name drop some of the celebrities that your mom Oh, some of the celebrities uh, that my mom does? There. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, since, we're, it since we got since it now, now. Uh, a lot of people might know Big Sexy Kevin Nash Big is a client Kevin of Nash. my uh, of my mother's. <laughs> That's <laughs> She's crazy. touched those gorgeous locks, and so have <laughs> I. I've, I've washed Kevin's hair many times. He's a super nice guy. Plays the voice of Shredder in the TMNT movie. Oh, right wow. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty sick. He's also, uh, the first time he walked into my mom's salon, 
I instantly recognized him. But also, like, I don't know, he looks big on TV. Um, but it's not nearly as big as he actually is. Because <laughs> he is a giant man. Like, I'm pretty tall. I'm 6'2". I come up to, like, here on him. I'm, I'm pointing to my breast area. <laughs> That's how tall I am compared to Kevin Nash. Dang. And his uh, bicep is the size of my head. Dang. And he's got uh, long silver locks. He looks like a Greek god. Um, it, I literally was just like, oh, man, Zeus just walked in. This is wild. <laughs> uh, but he's a super nice guy. I don't know if I have my mom has any other celebrity clients. But you know what? Do you really need any after Big Sexy? Probably not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Am I confused? Was that what? Did she do Hulk Hogan at one point, or am I remember misremembering? <laughs> Can you? Uh, am I, I mean, not say, say that better. <laughs> she didn't do his hair. <laughs> yes. Okay. Got it. Perfect. Perfect. Hey, that's what I'm here to do. Okay, is ask very thought out, well crafted hey, hey, questions. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you remember that time? Remember that time that. Uh, uh, Hulk Hogan uh, called your mom the N word. S- slept. I was gonna say slept with uh, that one radio guy's wife, and they recorded it. And, then, <laughs> and that is where he said the N word. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when you're sleeping with somebody else's wife, you'll often say the N word. Everybody knows that. <laughs> and he also talked. <laughs> he talked about having a stomachache because <laughs> he ate too much spaghetti. <laughs> If you haven't listened to that recording of Hulk Hogan, listeners, stop this podcast and get on YouTube <laughs> and find it, because it. it's incredible. <laughs> oh, uh, ain't too much spaghetti, brother. I got a tummy ache. <laughs> I have not heard that. This I'm gonna is, have to this go is all it. foreign to me. So. <laughs> I'm going to have to go find it, I guess. Caleb is red. Caleb's losing it. <laughs> it's incredible. This is why I'm here. Uh, uh, so my, I, think I feel, my, like, the way I feel this... like my mom is a creative person, She, she, but it... it she found a way to like monetize it in a way that's normal. She gets super creative. She does stuff that's like out of the box. Like I went to school to be a hairdresser, so I know what it entails. And it can be a not creative job. It can be a near mathematical job because haircuts are geometry. Um, but you can find a way to get outside the box, and she does. So there's that kind of creative person. And then there's a creative person like me where I... <laughs> Where I can't make money at anything I really want to do. <laughs> uh, so that's what I want to ask you about. So um, you're, you said you're 32. 32. And um, you've, how long have you been living in Daytona Beach? I moved there when I was uh, nine. Okay. So tell me, because the one thing, I guess the what I, what I want to ask you about is the creative side of you that drives you to do the different things that you've done since then. Sure. Because there's been a lot. There's and like part of me is like, uh, that makes perfect sense. Casey like just does all this stuff and it's hilarious and it's good and all this stuff. Like he's a great stand up comic. I've actually only seen you live once, but hilarious. And I actually re listened to the album in the past week cool. uh, from the band, which is great. I turned on the album the very first time and uh, it was the, what's the name of the first song on it? Must uh, be better. Yeah, Let's there's go. gotta be a better way. Yeah, gotta be a better way. And it started off and I was like, Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe I might I might like this. And then the second song kicked in yeah. and it was like killer. And like the whole the first song was good. But like the yeah, rest it's of the thing to was be like a slow burn for people to feel like all right, 
this is kind of slow and yeah there's well, not much happening your here. previous album was definitely more folk inspired so i think for all the yeah. fans from that previous album you were trying to i don't uh, think they were in for more of the same before yeah well my musical journey i feel like we should uh start somewhere <laughs> <laughs> we're just rambling I want to basically hear about the internal burning that drives you to do these things. And it sounded like, and uh, I wasn't even planning to talk about your kids first, but the question that I asked you about your kids sounded like it must be a little bit tormenting because you don't want them to have the same drivers. Yeah, that's true. I, I at least I hope, here's the thing, I, I, I hope that they do because when you have a creative endeavor and it goes well... It's a wonderful feeling that I have not matched in anything else. But most of the time, it's just upsetting. <laughs> uh, and I would like them to steer clear of being upset because uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bummer. I might also just be bad at all this stuff. So there's, you know, that. They could be good at it. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but I hope they'll be more pragmatic. So tell me about the highest high that you had. Um... I was on meth and uh, <laughs> no, the highest high, man, that's tough. Cause there have been, I've had a lot of endeavors and there have been highest highs for all of them. I guess we'll start with music because that was like the first creative thing I ever did. I started playing guitar. Me and Caleb got guitars for Christmas uh, when we were 13 or you might've been 14. Yeah, eighth grade, I think. Eighth, yeah. Yes, it was eighth grade because I was in seventh because I was one year behind you because I failed a grade. Nice. <laughs> Sorry, I had it. I got my first guitar in seventh grade. Dude, that's the year. <laughs> it was the time. <laughs> so we started playing. We got it. We got super into Blink One Eighty Two and pop punk in general, and uh, started playing guitar. And uh, I was like, man, I just want to be in a band so bad because like, and this kind of ties into comedy too because the first album I super got into was the Blink-182 live album, yeah. uh, the Mark, Tom, and Travis show, which is like basically a, a best best of up to that point mm-hmm. in their catalog, played live, and it's interspersed with them talking on the mic in between songs, which is a thing they do, and they make a lot of, I mean, it's, when I look at, back at it now, it is, I mean, it's, it's infantile. Very high. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> Poo-poo, pee-pee, a lot of, a lot of that. So, but high at first, Yeah, but for a seventh grader, baby, I was in. Yeah, um, absolutely. It was hilarious, and I was like, oh, man, these guys are so funny, and these songs are sick. Like, you know, they're aggressive and fast and stuff, and that's cool, and it doesn't sound like anything that I know anybody listens to, mm. which might be another thing about me is whatever lots of people are doing i'm like no Mm. (laughs) Uh, which is funny because later on i find people are into stuff that i was that this sounds so terrible (laughs) people will be super into a thing i was into before yeah it's like ultimate like podcasting yeah (laughs) just like podcasting (laughs) Of which I'm a giant, <laughs> as we've mentioned. As we've established, <laughs> yes, previously in the industry. Um, so yeah, I got, and then I wanted to be in a band, and it took me forever to get to be in a band because I started playing guitar when I was 13. I got, in, you know what? I'm. It was three years, but it felt like forever. Mm-hmm. I got asked to be in a band when I was uh, 16. Started playing local shows, and then at first I was just playing guitar, but then we slowly like morphed over time to where. 
uh, I was singing because that's the other thing about my creative endeavors is that I have to be in control of them. <laughs> um, I don't like dealing with. Can't blame you for that. <laughs> yeah, like I just. You, you don't like, like dealing with insubordination. <laughs> I just want to. When it comes to stuff, especially like music, I just I know I'm right <laughs> about whatever it is I'm talking about. It might not be. It might not be the best idea, but in my mind, for what I'm hearing, that's what I have to hear. Mm -hmm. So it eventually got to the point where I was singing and writing the songs, and that went pretty well. And that was a band called Boy Meets Heart. Mm. You can look that up, listeners. (laughs) That is on the internet still. Uh, It's real bad. (laughs) But at the time, it was pretty par for the course. Like, we played Warped Tour and stuff. Like, it was, you know, we did some bigger shows. And then I didn't play, and then so uh, my wife, who at the time was just my girlfriend, got pregnant with our first child, <clears> and I was lot. like, uh, well, <laughs> I can't do anything anymore. So, hey, How old were you when you were playing Warped Tour? I was 18. Wow. That was like a dream. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> legit. Uh, it was cool. Uh, we played the same year that uh, Joan Jett played, which is like a big... Uh, deal to me mm. I was like uh, my mom is super into Joan Jett and super into the like my mom it's weird because uh, my mom like listens to like garbage pop music now <laughs> that's like her thing but when she was a teenager like my mom saw the runaways Joan Jett's first band live and stuff wow. and she still has all her records and stuff so I get my I get my love of uh of punk rock true from the source mm. <laughs> uh, so I grew up from listening. the teat if you will. yeah from the teat <laughs> I sucked Joan Jett out of my mom's boob, y'all. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so to play at the same... I watched Joan Jett from the side stage because I was allowed to because we had a pass and stuff. Um, that was such a weird, surreal day. Like, uh, when you play Warped Tour, they feed you all day and stuff. Like, there's just basically a barbecue happening all day. So we got there and set up, and then we went to go get breakfast. And then I sat down at a table, me and the, our guitar player... And so we started eating, and then this dude sits down. He's like, hey, you guys care if I sit here? And we're like, no. And I was like, oh, man, this is Travis from Gym Class Heroes. It's like the singer of Gym Class Heroes. I was like, oh, that's wild. And then Chris Conley, the singer of Saves the Day, sat down. And then this other dude who I don't think anybody else at the table, or at least my friend knew, but I knew, this dude Rick Thorne, who was a BMX biker that hosted the X Games the entire time I was growing (laughs) up. And I was like, this is insane. (laughs) That is cool. I interrupted right there. You were fixing to talk about having your first child oh, you know, yes. at the end, so we being had, the end of your career. <laughs> Carl, Perfect. we're trying to talk about Warp Tour. We're talk about the first <laughs> kid later. Yeah, so, but shortly after that, when we played Warp Tour, she was pregnant. Okay. Um, and I was just like, well, I'm not going to be able to do a band anymore. And in retrospect, that was probably right um, for that time in my life. Because um, having a baby, I know what I was doing. Whatever. Couldn't do it. Couldn't swing it. So, and then I didn't play music again for kind of a while. Mm-hmm. And I did nothing, uh, which was like those years are like a super depressing time. I just wasn't doing anything. I was working a job that I didn't really like mm-hmm. and going to hair school. And I moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico for six months somewhere oh, yeah, in there, I too. That. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, so how, long, how long was that period? So that was from like 2006 to 2009. And then in 2009, I wrote some songs for this thing that would be called The Paper Tree. 
which also like nothing really came out of. I made an album. You can't look that up. Um, <laughs> they took it down off MySpace. <laughs> the Boney's Heart one is somehow still up. Um, and yeah, I just didn't do anything with it. I recorded it and then I kind of like, I didn't love it. And that was also like a weird time for me in terms of like what I was listening to. Like I, I kind of stopped listening to punk music and I started listening to a bunch of like folky bands and stuff. I got super into the Abbott Brothers. I started listening to Wilco a lot. Mm. Um and I wrote some weird songs. But I will say, <laughs> it's in that time I think I learned how to write a song. Because if you're like writing like folky songs, you have to learn like basic chord structure and stuff, which I'd never really done before. I was just like, yeah, power chords. These four yeah. go together. That works. <laughs> um, and that's when I got like serious about like, the lyrics in Boy Meets Heart mean nothing. <laughs> uh, the lyrics of the paper tree, I wrote about specific real things, which in turn made for better songs even if those ones weren't that good i was like learning how to write a song Mm -hmm. um and then the paper tree nothing happened with i i made the album i put it up on myspace and i was like i don't have a band i guess i could play by myself but i'm super depressed (laughs) and these songs are depressing and this didn't turn out like i like i heard it yeah and so i just didn't do anything with it and then I didn't play any music from 2009 until 2018. <laughs> um, so I have like, I, I don't know, like a bunch of ways I could go. And because I had a bunch of questions pop up. Um, quick question. How do you write a song? Um, so now the way I write a song is I write lyrics first. That's the most important thing to me. Um, is like uh, having a Uh, It's more important to me that a song uh, means something to me lyrically than how it sounds necessarily. I'll find the hook in there somewhere. Mm -hmm. I'll work that out. Um, So I start there. Then I will start to come up with a melody without a guitar. Like I'll just start singing the words different ways to try and come up with something. Then once I have that, I will find whatever chord I'm hit, whatever note needs to be hit for the melody I just came up with. Mm -hmm. And then I'll kind of go from there and then i record it i demo it on my phone i have an irig so i can plug in a mic and a guitar i just use garage band like preset drums set a tempo and i sort of flesh it out that way and then i send it to the other dude in my band <coughs> jim and he'll put uh real drums on it and then when we go to record it for real then it gets like real finishing touches and jim does a, a thing that i don't know how to do which is um dynamics okay (laughs) Uh, like mixing and mastering and stuff not even that like even within the song itself yeah like he'll be like uh you're really you know you're really slamming it out here let's go quiet like building and then we'll go loud at this next part and he's always right about that so is it you and him that did the last one yep uh i play everything except for the drums okay on the on the so in our next one we now have like a, an actual band which is me jim and my buddy jordan plays bass so like this time what's been happening is all the same steps up to demoing it on my phone then i will send it to them and then when we practice we will flesh it out together real cool. quick we haven't actually mentioned the name of your band yet oh yes my current band excuse me, I burped from these Coca-Colas, uh, is uh, Virginity. 
And the the last one was with time. Is that the album name? Yeah, that's yeah. What, yeah. Our album with time came out uh, in this June, uh, and it's pretty good. It is pretty good. We I can verify that. We can't scan over this name. Where did where did it come from? Oh, virginity. <laughs> He's still a virgin, clearly. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Um, I, I my friend, my buddy Shaw. We had to come up with a band name because this wasn't even really supposed to be a band. Like I was doing stand up and I was just feeling kind of frustrated with it. And I was like, I need to do something creative that means nothing. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like I'm not planning on doing it anything with. And he was like, and I'd, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Okay. So I'd written a song and I sent it to Jim and he was like, this is pretty good. Do like two more and we'll do like a little EP or whatever. And I was like, cool, a recording project. This will be fun. I'll get away from thinking about trying to be funny it'll be cool and so but then i wrote like four or five more and he was like man if you write like three or four more got like a full length and i was like okay i'll do that and then we started recording it and then jordan heard it somehow maybe jim sent him like a rough cut of something and he was like oh you should let me play bass in your band and i was like well we're not really band like we're just it's just a recording project mm -hmm. you know he was like well i could probably get us some shows like if you want to play a show and i was like that'd be cool we could play a show I'm like might as well. That'll be fun. Mm -hmm. And we had played what like got all this started was right before I started writing virginity songs. We did a cover show, me, Jim, and a couple of other buddies. We did this band Midtown. Uh, it was like a pop punk cover show. People were covering like Blink-182 and like Panic at the Disco and stuff. And so we did this band Midtown, who nobody knew. Um, <laughs> I was like, was, yeah, Midtown. Yeah, I've never you know, right on band. the same level. <laughs> 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 Uh, but we all love Midtown, and it was super fun, and it was the first time I'd played music on a stage since even before Paper Tree, so we're talking 2006 was the last time I'd played music on stage to 2018, it's 12 years, Dang. and I forgot how fun it was, like how much funner it is than, yeah. it's funner than stand-up. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I, have a, I had a couple questions I wanted to ask you about in terms of uh, stand-up compared to band stuff, but quickly, because sure. th this just popped in my mind, I thought it was, I, you just said that you wanted to do the Virginity recording project uh, because you wanted to do something that didn't really mean anything. But one of the cool th cooler things I think about the album is that a lot of the lyrics are like, about your life and oh, like where you're yeah, at they're in life. Personal. Oh, the songs all mean something, but I just thought like nothing will become of this. Got it. Like, I was just like, m maybe we'll put it out. Like, I've recorded songs with Jim. So it was just an outlet. You, you were just... Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like, it was intended to just be something to do, because uh, I was feeling stagnant with comedy. Yeah. And I've recorded with songs with Jim here and there over the years. Like, he has a really sick studio at his house, and I never posted them. Mm. Like, I just sat on them. And I assumed that that would probably be what would happen. But then, so Jordan got involved to like play live shows and then um i'm friends with this band uh called dikembe who um you guys probably don't know them i only know them because i opened for them doing stand-up at a show and they were they thought it was really funny and they wanted me to come open another show for them so i went and did that and then i made uh i made friends with these guys well it turns out that like within the like whatever diy punk emo scene they're like if you look in their spotify they have like forty thousand monthly listeners and they're kind of popular Dang. yeah <laughs> and so they have their own they they used to be on a label but they got to a point where they could sustain themselves so now they put out their own stuff under this label called death protector and so uh one of the guys in that band randy 
<laughs> there's, there's I'm playing the game over here. <laughs> uh, Randy um, reached out to me because I think I had made a Facebook post about like doing recordings. He was like, you should let me hear that. And I was like, okay. So I sent it to him and he sent it to the rest of the guys in Dikembe and then they all came and were just like, hey, we want to put this out for you. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, like I'm thinking this will save me 40 bucks <laughs> <laughs> from having to put it up on Spotify by yeah. myself. <laughs> well, that's great. And so we did that. And then, so we've been a like show playing entity. Like, there's a year that leads up to me writing and us recording. Mm. But, like, as far as like the outside world is concerned, we have been a band since June of 2019. And in that time, a lot of people listened to it and it, and like people wanted us to come do stuff. And it just sort of like spiraled out, which is like, which now I'm trying to maintain. Yeah. Like not trying. <laughs> this is the first creative project I've done that's gone well. Mm-hmm. Uh and it's not like it's like blowing up by any means, but like as far as the expectations I had, it has far exceeded them. Mm-hmm. Um so now I'm trying to maintain a, like a level of uh trying, but also pretending like i think no one's gonna hear it because that worked last time cool is that it it, do you think is that like different from the previous things the way you're approaching this one um sort of like i guess i had some expectation with any other thing i've done where i'm like i know i'm gonna put this out for public consumption and i really hope people like it where with this it was just like one thing begot another. Mm-hmm. Like I wrote one song. Now there's ten. Now we're recording. Now Death Protector's putting it out. Now you know whatever a bunch of people have listened to it. Mm-hmm. Like so in six months between Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify, in the last six months we've had something like forty thousand streams. Cool. Which is. That's a lot. Pretty insane. That is a lot. I mean, it's not like, it really isn't like in the terms of like music numbers or whatever. It's not like mind blowing, but it's mind blowing for me. Yeah. 40,000 is, yeah. is a large number. It's a large number. Um, so the so back to the stand up part, what's the process for you uh, between doing a solo thing like stand up and then a music thing, a band thing with other people? Um, I guess like any pressure I used to feel about being in a band, like prior to having done stand up, I used to, I guess I would feel pressure. Like I would feel like, boy, I hope this goes well. Mm. Um, but then after having done stand up for five years and then coming back to playing with a band, I realized that there is zero pressure when you're in a band. It does not matter at all. It could go well or it couldn't, but it doesn't matter because you're on stage with a bunch of other people who are sharing and whatever is mm-hmm. happening. So it, everybody's bearing the burden of whether or not it goes well or not. Yeah. And also, what does it mean for, like, you know if your stand-up set went well or didn't um, because it's like instant gratification. People are either laughing or they're not. Mm-hmm. And with bands, it's just like, did they like it? I don't know. <laughs> like, so which one do you enjoy better? Or can you choose? Yeah, I mean, I probably... Okay, so, well, <laughs> we just played um, Fest in Gainesville, which is, like, a, uh, the biggest, like, punk rock music festival in the country, which is weird that Dang. it's two hours from my house. <laughs> um, but it is, people travel from all over the world to come to it, and wow. uh, Gainesville takes in, like, twelve to 18,000 people over that weekend wow. just coming there for that festival and, like, the biggest bands in 
in punk music come and play it. Um, that's that's got to be like a lot of damage that those punk rockers cause. No, that that, that, that's the great thing about Fest is everybody is super respectful. I it, like <laughs> here's the thing. Like I, I was telling my wife this recently. Like whether regardless of whether I get to play it or not. The, I went the first time because I did stand up at it. Mm. I've done stand up at it the last three years. They also do stand up and wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Is that, what, is that next year you're going to be wrestling, dude? You oh, pull a triple crown out there. That's dude. what I keep telling everybody. That would be amazing. I just like just let somebody suplex me through a table and then I'll be able to do all three. Wow. Um, <laughs> so, uh, it's like I'll go for the rest of my life, whether or not I get that free ticket because I'm performing. It is like. I spend most of my life feeling a little awkward in social settings most of the time. But the weekend I'm at Fest, it feels incredible. Mm. I know that I have something in common with everyone there. And you'll talk to strangers like I've made friends and stuff. And like, uh, there's just a very like, it's like you've all already known each other. It's like this big community. I don't know. It is really... It's like um, church a little bit. A little bit. It's a really <laughs> magical place. I love Gainesville, the weekend of Fest. <laughs> only that weekend. Yeah, only that like, weekend. Uh, hey, I've played a couple of shows there that weren't on Fest weekend, and, uh, you know, it's all right. It wasn't the same. <laughs> it's not the same. Um Everybody goes, they always do it the weekend of the Florida-Georgia game, because uh, uh, Gainesville's college town, right. and so all the Florida uh, state kids go away, which allows for the influx of mm. uh, punk kids, so Smart. it's a very different town when it's not full of college kids. <laughs> Smart. Um, tell me about stand-up, because this is like somewhat fascinating to me. Um, it's I listen to a ton of Joe Rogan podcasts, so... Sure. You know, like he has, a, he's a comedian, he has a bunch of comedians on there. It's something that's totally foreign to me, but seems very, seems very creative, number one. But also, like you mentioned a second ago, you have the instant gratification or. Which does rock. One way or the <laughs> other, the instant gratification or instant humiliation. Yeah. Which is super fascinating to me. So, okay. So, well, stand up is born out of the death of Smashville. <laughs> Um, rest in peace. Rest in peace is so Alex and I were kind of growing apart. I don't know if he'll listen to this, but I'll say we were growing He's apart. With, hey, Alex, what's happening? I'll kill you, you son of a bitch. So we were, like, he just wasn't, I don't think, into his, uh, doing it as much. And like I was like, wow, I, yeah, you don't have to blame him. I mean, he's definitely. No, I mean, we, we were growing up hard, <laughs> there you go, and, it, and it was his fault. <laughs> but it was his fault. It was your fault, Alex. He knows it was his fault. <laughs> 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 and uh, so I was like, well, I need something to do. And what we've been doing on Smashville is like being hard and loose, and we're being funny. And I was like, I like being funny. I feel like I'm a funny person. Like of of all the things in life about me the one thing that i'm i have always been confident in even since i was like a little kid is that i am certain i am funny (laughs) um which is like a thing as i've found especially in stand-up isn't you would think that every person that ever tried stand-up would feel like that right yeah but they're not (laughs) (laughs) there's a ton of people i'm just like well I've talked to people. I've been like, were you like the funny person in your group of friends? And they're like, no. And I'm just like, well, that's, I don't even that's know why you would do this. <laughs> why are you in this we went to the one, we went to, was, I think, 
I think you were here. I know me and Caleb were there. Yeah, we were all three there because you did. We've part never of it. gone to a Chase. You and I've never gone to a stand-up right, show without so Casey right. yeah, so performing right. at it. <laughs> so right. I can say that. Uh, correct. Yes, that is true. We, but we went to the place right here in, in town, and you went and did. It was an open mic, and you went and did it. Oh, the, that was a literally rough open mic. Literally, I think there was one, like maybe one or two other funny jokes <laughs> in that. Evening, not even funny people, just one or two other funny jokes. Yeah, there's there's like a people that were horrible, and I was like, that was a really rough open mic. It was, it was rough. Yeah, real bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, there was this dude Evan uh, Rabalis. Rabelais. Rabelais. Is that how it's pronounced? <laughs> is it R A B A L A I S? You know, it's so something weird because I'm from like here. <laughs> I should be able to pronounce. We, had, we just revoked my, your citizenship. I, you just, yeah, you just nailed it. Yeah. yeah. Um, great. Fibidox. Go yourself. <laughs> I spelled that go with a G A U X. Um, <laughs> anyways, that dude, uh, there was uh, of the like. 10 people that were in that room one of them decided to be that person that's going to like personally respond to every thing the comedians say (laughs) (laughs) um and he was just like he looks at her and he was just like um don't uh don't ever let anybody tell you you're not helping because you are can you hear the can you can you hear how I'm being a smart aleck right now? <laughs> can you tell that? Is that coming through the mic? <laughs> that dude is actually he did not have a great set that night, but he is legitimately funny. I've done a bunch of shows with Evan. Um, he travels all over. I, I did a show with him in Houston while I was on tour. Nice. Um, so yeah, so Smashville died, and I was like, I want to try and be funny. And my friend Trevor um, Sostrich, who I've been friends with since I was in middle school said something on Facebook about having gone to an open mic to do stand up and I was like I was like stand up that's weird that that never even occurred to me to try mm. I was like I'm going to go watch Trevor do it and decide if I'm going to try so I went to an open mic and I just watched and after the open mic I was like 100% I can do this I'm definitely funnier than these people <laughs> than a lot of them funnier than Trevor yeah, Trevor doesn't do it anymore. I'm funnier than Trevor. <laughs> you won't hear this either. Get out of here, Trevor. Shout out, Trevor. You loser. <laughs> you blew it, Trevor. Um, nah, he's cool. G- great guy, Trevor. I'm glad we've been friends for so long. 16 years. Look at us go. Um, <laughs> and so uh, then I signed up for my first open mic. So it was at this bar in Daytona called Tiernanog, which is where I still get up all the time. Um, that's like my, it's a bar that people have gone to in Daytona for years. It's like our dive. And I swore to myself, I'll never go there. (laughs) It is now a place I walk in and it's like cheers. (laughs) (laughs) I go in, everybody's like, everyone knows your name. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I tried stand up the first time I wrote my five minutes. It was not good, but it did elicit laughs, which is a pretty high high. Mm-hmm. Anytime you get up in front of a group of people and you can make them laugh, it feels pretty great. Mm-hmm. So I was like, mm, this is good drugs. <laughs> and so then two weeks later, because back then, now the Nog is a weekly show. Um, I was like, two weeks later, I was like, I'm going to do it again. And then I did again. And so now I've done three sets and it's like a month and I'm like, this isn't enough. I know I need to be doing it more than this. 
So then I started traveling to Orlando and Jacksonville and Melbourne, places that have much larger scenes than the one room in Daytona. And so these these people in Daytona, um, they had been doing stand-up at the Nog for eight years, <laughs> and they'd never gone anywhere else. Wow. Like, and I was like, hey, I mean, I got a van. I'm going to go if you guys want to roll out with me. So then they started traveling. Um, and then so we all started traveling. And so for like a year there, I was just going cr- like crazy. I was getting up like three, four nights a week, driving all over the place, but I was getting better at it. And that's like the key to like stand up is just repetition. Mm-hmm. And also just constantly being on yourself about like there are people that can get laughs and then they convince themselves that because they got a laugh they must be good Mm -hmm. which is not true um i was not good in that first year but i started to get better i started to get passable i did something like because i would get up multiple times in a night if i could so i got in something like a little over 200 sets in my first year Dang. And then in my second year, I almost ruined my marriage. Wow, really? <laughs> yeah, I got up pretty close to 300 sets in my second year. Wow. <laughs> and I was gone a lot. And my wife was definitely... This was definitely a follow-up question later on <laughs> about, the, about your wife. Yeah. Well, he- here's the thing. is like stand-up actually almost ruined my marriage, but in lieu of that, made it 10 times better. Hmm. Um. And here's why. I'm waiting. Let's hear this. (laughs) Up until that point, I don't think my wife realized that I need to do these things for me. Like, this is how I can be a a happy person uh, is if if I'm able to do all these dumb things that I try to do. And that means if if I get to do them when I'm home... I'm a much better parent mm-hmm. and husband. So one day, I think that just kind of occurred to her. And ever since then, she's been, not that she was like riding my nuts about it all the time. Yeah. Like, it's just like she would. And not that that would matter because you had a vasectomy. Yeah, because yeah, I had a vasectomy. <laughs> <laughs> Ride nuts. Um, so. Like she would just like get frustrated. She would be like, "You're going out again tonight," and I yeah. would just be like, "I I have to." <laughs> like yeah. I acted like it mattered. <laughs> I would just be like, <laughs> I, "You don't understand." And here's the thing: like in terms of what my goal was, it did matter. Like it's very important. Like what you, it's almost like being a mobster doing stand up. Like you have um, your reputation. Like if you flake out on showing up to a show that you said you were going to be at, people are like, this guy's a flake. We're not going to offer him a spot next Mm -hmm. time. So you have to show up and then you have to, if you can deliver, which there's a lot of comedians that'll be like, you never blame the crowd. If you're a good enough comedian, you can do it. That's bullshit. (laughs) Uh, You can definitely, am I allowed to swear? (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Um, You can definitely swing a bad crowd, but sometimes you just can't. Yeah. Sometimes within your first sentence, they have decided they hate your guts, and who who's to say? It's still an enigma to me. I've probably done like upwards of a thousand comedy sets at this point. I still don't know 
why it happens sometimes or wow. why a, 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 a whole show will tank. I've seen, you know, nine comedians get up and we all eat it. Really? Yeah. It's just sometimes there's a vibe. That's pretty group brutal. Of people. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Uh, that'll just, uh, I'll just blow it. Mm. Um, but anyways, I got better. And then, and then I kind of, and this is where I'm at with it right now. I kind of tapped out of that's, that's the other thing about stand up is if you want to continue doing it, it's very, uh, geographically based mm-hmm. and Florida ain't a hotbed of stand up <laughs> comedy. Like I should have moved to New York or LA or Atlanta or Chicago or a place where I could go further because mm-hmm. that's kind of what you do. You start where you start and then you move and like, and my friend, and it's a very depressing <laughs> thing for me because I've had a lot of friends that aren't, you know, don't have kids and stuff that have moved away mm-hmm. to go pursue comedy and a lot of them are doing great. So, uh, yeah, I've kind of reached the heights of what Florida has to offer. I've done all the shows and I can do them. Like that's the cool thing of having done it so long and proven myself is I don't have to get asked to do shows anymore. I can just go there. And if I show up, the person will ask me like, do you want time? And I'm like, yeah, or no, whatever. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Yeah. I don't have to do that anymore, which is a nice power to wield over younger comics sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, like there's nowhere else for me to go, which, uh, which is what caused the stagnation in it, which led to virginity. <laughs> Got it. Um, so tell me about the worst time you tanked. Well, there's been a lot. <laughs> I bombed a lot. That's, that's another thing. If you're thinking about starting stand up listeners, just know that you're going to do bad more than you do good. Always. Uh, you know, until unless you're like a famous comedian where people will laugh, th- that's like another thing I've noticed in really becoming a student of comedy. Because for my first three years, probably of doing stand up, so Friday, new albums come out, music and comedy alike. Mm-hmm. I listened to every comedy album that came out in those three years, and I watched like every special on Netflix. I watched it all, and I noticed that a, com- a comic on the rise top of their game super funny bigger comics not as funny anymore because people will laugh because they're like it's louis ck yeah he's hilarious i know that i'll laugh at anything yeah like they just give you the benefit of the doubt and so you can let your material slip Mm -hmm. um so yeah that's (laughs) but bombing um bombing yes worst worst time i bombed i'm trying to think because i've had some real bad ones the, this this hardly counts because it was so early on. So my first time doing stand-up comedy, I told you guys, it wasn't great, mm-hmm. but I did get laughs. Mm-hmm. At the time, I felt like it went great. Um, my second time doing it, I have a recording of this. I, I have a recording of every set I've ever done. Nice. It sounds like I'm telling jokes in an empty airplane hangar to <laughs> no one. <laughs> no <laughs> laughs. No laughs, no sound. It's just like my echoing voice. Wow. <laughs> Where was that? This was at the uh, Daytona bar? This actually wasn't. This was at a place in New Smyrna Beach, which is like 40 minutes from Daytona, that had one open mic one time, and I was at it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was an empty room. <laughs> oh, well, there were people there. <laughs> it was a pretty packed room, actually. Uh, it was just real bad. Um, I'm trying to think of like one like later on where I was just like, oh, my God. 
the okay so the i i ran a show in saint augustine at a little indie movie theater mm-hmm. called the corazon for three years and um the last time i ran it so i was the host at that show and i hate hosting and anybody that does stand up for any length of time will be like yeah i do not want to host mm-hmm. because it Why? just well for starters you have to watch everybody <laughs> Which is, I'm like, I can, that's the, like, a a side effect of, of, if you love stand-up comedy, don't do stand-up. It'll ruin it for you. Uh, I can barely tolerate it. Is it, because, like, you can't just sit and enjoy the jokes, or what? Yeah. Like, you just hear it so much, like, you hear so much stand-up comedy that it all starts bleeding together, Mm. because there's only, like, five things to talk about in the whole world. (laughs) (laughs) And different variations. Uh, sex... Uh, kids, m- being poor, money, finances, um, being awkward is a big one, mm-hmm. and uh, and Donald Trump, and Donald Trump, <laughs> yeah, around, trying to put you on the spot around tw- around, around twenty sixteen, yeah. certainly Donald Trump <laughs> became a. I've never done a Donald Trump joke. I vowed not to when he nice. got elected because I was just like, I know there's going to be a million people who's oh, not yeah. going to stop talking about what a dumb idiot this guy is. Hanging fruit, probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so I'm hosting this show, and I'm I'm a little burnout on hosting it because um, because I'm running it. I'm not just hosting it. I'm having to book the comics for every month and make sure everybody gets paid and try and get people in the door. Which shouldn't be that hard because St. Augustine's like a college town, but mm-hmm. it, it is. Um, and so I was just going through it every month for three years. And for the first two, I had like a lot of fun with it. And the third one, I was just like, oh my God, I hate mm-hmm. running this. The last time, this lady, <laughs> she wrote on the Facebook event, like, I'm bringing my meetup group of 28 people. I was like, bam, 28 people at the door, five nice. bucks a head. Come on, baby, with whatever <laughs> else we pull in, it's going to be a hot one. Everybody's getting paid. Yeah. So she brought in uh, 28 of the most humorless pieces of shit <laughs> that have ever been in a room together <laughs> who didn't laugh at anything the entire show. Did they show. pay their five bucks? Uh, they paid their five bucks, but oh my God, I'd have, I'd, I'd have paid them every cent I had to, to kill themselves. Um, <laughs> I hated their guts. So like I get up there and hosting never goes great. Like you're getting up there, you're breaking the ice. Everybody's a little uncomfortable yeah. to laugh around people because laughing in a group of people is like it's kind of like that's so true it's right next to like getting naked i feel like it's <laughs> yeah, like it's really so letting out a good hard laugh it's like once you it's it's like there's like a threshold like yeah. whenever you get to whatever the threshold is and there's also a little it better, bit of like but, admitting like who you are and what you, and laugh, what you laugh at, at that's very true too um which people are also uncomfortable about so hosting never goes great i've never hosted and been like what an awesome hosting set. I've always been like, oh my God, I hate this. So I'm like breaking the ice and it's not going great, but that's fine because it doesn't normally go great. Yeah. By like my third time going up there, I'm just like sweating bullets and they hate my guts. <laughs> they hate me visibly. And I'm just like, and then the last time my buddy Zach was there running the projector and like doing sound and stuff. And I just went up to the, up to the projector and I was like, buddy, I cannot go back up there. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, I cannot go back up there. You have to go up. I need you to host the rest of the show. He's like, are you serious? I was like, I cannot go back up there. And I didn't. And that's like the first time I folded Mm. to a crowd, (laughs) (laughs) which feels like the worst bomb. 
I let them win. And it was on a hosting night. Yes. So you've never bombed as a stand-up. Oh, I bombed, but not to that degree. <laughs> not to that degree. Yeah, I mean, it's just like normal bombs where it's just like you don't get any laughs. And, and like once you – so in my philosophy of stand-up, like um, I feel like instead of working to be good, this is like what I decided for myself early on. Instead of trying to learn how to be good, you should be trying to learn how to bomb gracefully because that's what's going to be happening at first, mostly. Mm. So if you can kind of find a way to endear yourself to the audience, even though you're not doing well, that's like step one. So, Did you feel like if you go into a stand-up uh, set uh, and let's say like you bomb or like you don't do great or you feel bad after once it was over and you go to the next one is it like a clean slate to start over no <laughs> okay. um i have gotten into some slumps where i've just you know i've eaten it you know whatever five six sets in a row mm. which happens to everybody even in though a, it's like different people y- yeah different still... crowds, it doesn't matter it'll get in your head it's like a mental thing oh, yeah. but then eventually you'll break it and you'll always break it right before you feel like there's no if this doesn't go well, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> and then you'll have a killer set, and you'll mm-hmm. be like right back on top. One of the things I was wondering about, I mean, you talked about you know bombing as a host, but if you're if you can tell you're bombing, I'm, not, I'm sure you can. You know when you're bombing as a as a you know in a set, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> do you ever feel like okay, like folding? Do you ever feel like folding and be like, I know I got five minutes left, but this last joke there's no way or do you do you hold out like maybe you can land land at least one good laugh at the end to finish it or do you ever just like wrap it up and say i'm out of this <laughs> um lots of people do do that i have gone a little early but if i had like five minutes left yeah no i would i mean at a certain point i'm at a place now where i'm pretty confident in being good so if i'm bombing I really just, which is, and this is not a tactic that works. I just start laying into the crowd. <laughs> uh, I like just reverse get, heckling. I, yeah, I just get mad. <laughs> <laughs> and I take a, a, like a tone of just being like, you, you people don't deserve me. <laughs> I want to watch one of those. And it's... Uh, it's my friend, uh, my my best comedy friend, Zach Bennett's favorite thing <laughs> is when I just get indignant. <laughs> <laughs> to the crowd. To the crowd, yeah. Um, <laughs> at that same Corazon show, and this was probably uh, not that same one, the one before it, I also had a bad, a really bad experience that time. There was a guy, he, and he was like, one of, again, one of those people that responds to rhetoricals. And um, when I'm hosting, though, like I would try and take control of that sort of situation for the benefit of the comics coming after me like i'll be like hey i'm gonna talk to you for a second let's let's chat you want to talk that's cool let's talk for a second you can talk to me i'm the host don't talk to the other people but Mm -hmm. let's talk man what's your deal or whatever and he was like i'm a marine whatever and i was like cool man you know thanks for your service and then he proceeded to be just a dick (laughs) the rest of the whole show and at the end, like, it got to the point where, like, I was just like, hey, can you, you know, can you shut up <laughs> now, please? For everybody's sake, you're ruining the whole show for everybody. And he was just like, eh, whatever, Marine. And I was just like, I really hope you get a chance to die for me. 
<laughs> Brutal. <laughs> I wanted to fight that guy. I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> probably best. Probably best. <laughs> he would have like not tread on you, bro. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'll cut him into a bunch of pieces like a snake. Um, <laughs> like you do a snake. Uh, yeah. So that was definitely the worst bomb. Is like that that hosting set was like brutal. And I've had a million bombs, just regular sets, but they didn't feel like that one felt. <laughs> so what's the so what's like the uh, thing that what kept bringing you back to do more of it after it sounds like you bomb more than you succeed at least for the first few years definitely for the first several years um uh eventually you'll have honed some material that works and is it is it like the is it like the small highs in between that keep you going or is it yeah definitely okay and then you'll have like some real big wins or somebody you respect will be like yo keep going um like um yeah i had this guy mark norman do you know mark norman I don't think so. I know um, Normans. Do we know this guy? He, he's, he is actually, he a famous guy or is he somebody he, I should know personally? He is a famous guy, but he's from New Orleans and this, oh, okay. is where, and this is where he started. He lives in New York now. He just opened for Seinfeld. He's Amy Schumer's regular okay. opener. Definitely he's got two him. Comedy Central specials <laughs> um, and he's got a podcast with this other comedian, Joe List, uh, okay. uh, called uh, Tuesdays with Stories. Um, it's a great podcast. Anyways, I, I really like that dude. Like, I love his comedy and stuff, and I watched all his specials, and I thought he was really smart. And I opened for that guy one time, and he pulled me aside after the show. Is this the guy? Is this the guy that's bald and has a beard and is like a big guy? Oh no, that's Brian Posehn. Brian Posehn okay. was super nice too. Okay, um, that was a big high. Yeah, <laughs> opening I'm sure, for that yeah. guy. Um, and Mark Norman pulled me aside and was just like, hey, man, you're really funny, which is like a thing co- a comic will tell you when yeah, you yeah, open yeah. for them, which is just like, I've had that happen. I was like, oh, thanks, man. You know, no, nah, I was like blowing him off. I was like, thanks. And he was just like, he like made sure like I made eye contact with him. And he was just like, hey, 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 listen to me. I was like, oh, okay, what's up? He was like, you're really funny. I was like, thanks, man. He was like, you're a great writer. And I was like, oh, thanks. He was like the dog bit. It's incredible. Keep it up. And I was like, wow, thanks. Like, that was a high high for me. Yeah. Like, I had a fine set, but like having a dude I really respect be like, hey, this thing specifically, great. Yeah, that's cool. It was like, that was great. Um, who is, uh, who are some of your favorite comics that you either like look up to or in, <clears throat> are inspired by um, or make you laugh the hardest? Just really, I mean, really R- Rory Scovel is my number one favorite comedian. Um, I've never heard of him. Um, well, Look him up. He's great. Roy Scovel. He's got uh, at least one Netflix special. Cool. But his album is what really got me into him. Uh, it's this album called Dilation. He's, um, I think Rory gets up with about 15 minutes of actual material, and then the rest of it is just insane, off-the-cuff That's weirdness. Awesome. And he's just, I, I long to be that loose mm-hmm. and in the moment and as funny as he is. Um, he's incredible. And just in, it's just insane. Like I don't even have a brain that works on that level of of sheer insanity. <laughs> um, he's my favorite. Um, I love this guy Hampton Yunt, who's really great. Um, I mean, I like Mark Norman, Joe mm-hmm. List are both like super funny. Um, I'm trying to think of like albums that I listen to the most. A guy that I've come to be friends with, his name is Dave Ross. Um, I was a big fan of his. Then we did some shows together. Now he's just, now I just feel like that's my friend, Dave. Cool. Um, yeah, those are some of my favorites. Dave just put out an album, though, listeners. Uh, it's called The Only Man Who Has Ever Had Sex. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. 
Uh, what's your thought about and uh, what's your thought about comedians like using comedy to make points about real things? That's or, like, the real, point of it, especially. <laughs> but I mean, like, uh, like mainly like political points. Um, I mean, I th- of the divisive nature. I mean, I think it can be a good thing. Uh-huh. Like the dog bit I referenced before. That's kind of a political point that I'm making in it. Uh, in the bit, which is like, I'll give you a rough overview of the Please bit. Please do. Which is, um, so I say like, the bit starts out and I'm like, do you ever wonder what you're going to be prejudiced about when you get older? To which will bring any crowd to a deaf silence. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's an awkward question to ask. And yeah. then I'll be like, you know, you guys think you won't be? Like, you know. That's the problem with our generation is we think we're so woke and we're going to be woke forever. But my great, great grandparents thought like they were pretty woke when they were like, yeah, we'll hang out with the Irish. That's cool. <laughs> I never do that. Um, which is just other white people. So <laughs> you'll find your thing to hate. Every generation finds their thing to hate. Uh, just because you like black people doesn't mean you're woke. You'll find something to hate later. And I was like, I always wonder what it'll be for us. I was like, one scenario I came up with um, what I'm trying to think about is like if we find a way to communicate with dogs and one of the first things they say to us is like, well, obviously we want to have sex with you guys. <laughs> we always have. I don't know if humping your legs was too subtle, but we've been trying to get after it a while. Um, I feel like I could get against that. <laughs> and then I go into this whole scenario being like, like I just have the scenario, like my grandson's coming home for Thanksgiving dinner. He's bringing his new girlfriend. It's a Pekingese. Like I'm going to make her super uncomfortable. Like when she comes in, instead of cleaning like a shotgun on the coffee table, I'm just going to be rolling newspaper after newspaper, <laughs> vacuuming, get a couple strangers out on the lawn. Uh, and then when we're eating dinner, I'm just going to be hate eating my food. I'm locked eyes with the dog and uh, making everybody at the table uncomfortable until finally my grandson has to be like, all right, Grandpa, what's the deal? I'm going to be like, well, you got a lot of nerve bringing this bitch into the house. So. <laughs> Which is a play on dogs that often escapes the crowd. <laughs> uh, and he'll be like, all right, Grandpa. Well, she's got a name. Her name's Bella, and she's a good girl. Um, <laughs> and I'll be like, oh, you could least, she could at least put a sweater on at the table. All eight of her tits are hanging out. Um, <laughs> And he'll be like, well, she's a naturalist. We've talked about that. And I'll be like, you wouldn't know the first thing about being natural. Why couldn't you settle down with a nice, hardworking man like your brother? Okay, that's natural. (laughs) Which is the best gay joke anyone's ever wrote is both biting and supportive. Um, (laughs) And, you know, whatever. And then it ends with like, there's like, you know what, Bella, we don't have to take this. Come on, let's go. And like (laughs) walking off and I'm yelling after him. I'm like, they should all be on leashes, Skylar. Just like they were when I was a boy. Hope you're going to put her in a kennel. That's where they belong. It's the last time you bring a barker into this house. (laughs) And then I tell the crowd, I hope going hard R on barker didn't offend anybody. Uh, oh, and then uh, this is the big finish that almost nobody gets, but it's my favorite part of the joke where I'm um, like, and then my wife will look at me all disappointed and be like, uh, I can't believe you're such a specious. <laughs> and I go, some of my best friends are dogs. That's uh, the crowning, <laughs> crowning jewel of that joke that almost escapes because people will often say, right, right. Uh, so, so my best friends, friends are black, yeah. but also <laughs> dogs are man's best friend. And I think that's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, I want to uh, hear more bits now. So that's like a that little, really developed. I think I heard earlier <laughs> versions of it. Oh, there was like version, five yeah. more stingers in that. Yeah, really it's I've wrung it out for all it's worth at this point. <laughs> it is a tight three and a half minutes that has a joke every thirty seconds, yeah. which is where you'd like to be if you're not like a long-winded person. Um, so that's like a little bit of a kind of a political joke. Yeah, that sort of turns you know whatever woke culture uh, on its head i guess a little bit it makes a point and i'm not sure what the point is i know that black people love that joke 100 <laughs> percent. they always come up to me after the show and go that dog bit is incredible <laughs> and if it is a room full of just white people that is the only room in the world that will clam up on that joke really yeah i've, I've done that joke to just like an all-white audience and they're just like <sighs> <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> it just makes them so uncomfortable uh, to talk to com- to make a comparison to how easy it is to be prejudiced. I guess. Yeah. Um, but anyways. So what's I, your? I think it's. I think it's like if it's a if it's a political point I don't agree with. I guess I'll still be fine with it. Because I don't know. I guess the point the point of comedy is to make a point. This was my quote. Yeah, whether or not it's political in nature or not, like it should be to point out. I guess I don't like it if it's used. I'm trying to think of like the right way to phrase this. Like, <laughs> if you know where he's heading the whole time, I don't like that. If they flip the script on it and make the opposite point that you thought they were going to make, then it's great. Mm. Um, like, and I hate to you know, whatever talk about Louie because he's been canceled because he wouldn't he's stop back. jerking off in front of people. He's back now, right? Oh, is he? Because yeah. my friends just saw him at a shitty comedy club. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Turn him off. <laughs> yeah, they saw him. Dude, it might as well have been. It's literally like a D room in the state. Right. It's called Side Splitters. That's where they saw him. He was just like, he's. he said, uh, they said he came out and opened by just being like, uh, so uh, this time last year, I was doing arenas, <laughs> and I had a bad year, and now I'm here with you people, and this place is barely open. <laughs> so is he back? Mm, sure. <laughs> uh, he's playing D rooms in, in whatever. That wasn't even in Orlando. That was in like a weird city. Really? Yeah. So I guess he's back. I guess he's back. Guess not. <laughs> sort of. But like his opening bit on his last special, 2018, uh, is about abortion. And it's incredible. He just flip flops back and forth. Mm-hmm. with So you can't like tell where he's trying to land on it. And he was just like, he just comes out and he's like, abortion's right. No, I don't think abortion's wrong. A lot of people think it is like killing a baby. You know what it is, killing a baby. <laughs> But I think women should be allowed to kill babies. <laughs> like, he just keeps going back yeah. and forth. Yeah. And you're just like, where's he going to land on this? Like, I thought that was great. Uh, and ultimately, he doesn't land one way or the other. It's great. Nice. Um, so I like it about that kind of stuff. But, like, I don't know. If you're talking about somebody like Nick DiPaolo, who's like this super conservative right wing comedian, like, he lit, like, the cover of his last special is him giving the finger to a, a group of people of color. <laughs> <laughs> And one of the people he found this out afterwards and apologized for it is somebody that was um, got killed in a peaceful protest by a cop. Wow. <laughs> oh. 
That's and, rough. and he gets up there and he makes all the points you're expecting him to make. Yeah. They're not really funny. You know, he won't stop say, oh, pardon my French. He will, like, he literally uses the word faggot every couple of seconds, which is like, I mean, that's that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's pretty heavy uh, stuff. But, I mean, he has an audience. So, so whenever you're come the writing material, is it, uh, how do you arrive at the joke? Is it, the goal is just to make someone laugh or is it you have to kind of explore those parts uh there's like hard points i guess you would say to make to yeah. find the humor in it yeah you just feel it out over time like the way that like my joke writing began is like i would literally write everything out and i would kind of say it verbatim but occasionally i would say something that got a laugh that i didn't plan on and i would be like huh like I would listen to it later and be like, interesting. So then I started, I moved to like a bullet points type system, which mm-hmm. is like, I want to hit this point, this point, this point, whatever happens in between, we'll see. Um, and so like it started going that way until it got to the point more recently where I've just had an idea and I'll go up with essentially nothing except really? for I'm like, I know I kind of want to get to this. We'll see if I make it there. Wow. Um, and that's kind of how I do it. Is that like nerve wracking? It can be if it's not going well. Right. It's it's way more way more of a chance that it won't go well when you're doing it like that, but a way higher chance of finding something that's organically funny mm-hmm. rather than like there's no way to practice for stand up except for to do it in mm-hmm. front of people and and that's the that's really the main difference between that and music. I imagine it's probably nerve wracking, but it's also probably really exciting when you do when you can tell it is going somewhere. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Um, I've gotten into like more storytelling recently. Like I started doing the vasectomy bit. I had this crazy thing happen to me with a an animal at a restaurant. Um, a live animal, we all? A dead animal, <laughs> a live animal. Wow. <laughs> um, that I've and like those two stories alone, like it's like 35 minutes of time. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I started talking about when I was a hairdresser for a short period of time, um, which like that bit went, is it's like kind of a long story too. So I've been getting into like more story esque stuff as of late, which so is the bullet points rather than planning out the whole, the whole joke. Yes, up until later than that when it's just nothing, I'll just go up with nothing. Is that like better? I don't. I mean, it's just it, different. It's just how it is now, or yeah, it's just more about. Uh, I just uh, I'm bored with my material, <laughs> and to make it fun and interesting for me, because I can get up and I can do my bits and it can go well. And if I'm in a situation where I'm in a group of people that have never seen me before and I need to do well, um, I'll just do my material. Mm. I know it back and forth. I could do it. I know it's going to work. Whatever. It's like a crutch. It feels like a crutch mm-hmm. to me. Um, but a lot of times I'm practicing at open mics that I've been to a million times and a lot of the same people come and they've seen me a bunch of times. So and I'm like, well, I don't want this to be boring. Like they're not going to laugh at the material they've already heard 10 times mm-hmm. and I don't want to do it. So I'll try and make this interesting for all of us. Um, and I've had bits come out of that. Like, uh, essentially, that's kind of how the dog bit started. The dog bit started as one line, and then and I don't even remember which one at this point. And then, over the course of two years of getting up with nothing, and then slowly building on it, 
became you know, that one my strongest bit probably i'll probably never be able to do better than that dog bit <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty solid but and it's the that version that you just told was updated since i heard it and still hilarious and more hilarious um what's uh i just ha- had a thought of all of the you know air quotes creative endeavors that you've done uh you said you're you're still doing stand-up now with the new music stuff I am, but I'm doing it less and less, and I'm wondering. Is it so? That's what I was going to ask. Is it? Is it? Uh, do you find that your creative flow is morphing over time, or have you kind of always had these pillars that you just want to continue coming back to? I. You said the stand-up thing you kind of discovered, but yeah, um, music. I thought I was done with. So apparently, I'm not. And then you're back. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know where I'm at with stand-up now. Um, I still like to, I did it at Fest this past year, which was like uh, three weeks ago at this point. Um, and I had great sets both days. So it was super fun, but I did my material. I'm having a hard time coming up with new material. Mm-hmm. Like it's, uh, I feel, I don't know how to be one of those people. I'm not an observational comic. Um, like I can't just look at something and be like, man, people are quirky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about this thing? Like, I really kind of have to make it about myself, mm. and I I feel I have wrung myself dry. The um, music that you're doing is about yourself too. Yes. Is it is it all mostly? Is that you? Burped like, into the mic again. Yeah. Good. Burping and burps are good for the. Get that in there. We still need sound a sound effects. effect panel. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was Caleb. <laughs> Sample Caleb. He's you, trying. Can you mute Caleb's mic, please. He's burping. <laughs> <laughs> Talking way too much over there. Uh, way too much. Is it? Uh, is the creative endeavors always holding the mirror up to yourself? Um, like even because I needed the comics too. You wrote comics. Yeah, those definitely weren't holding up to myself. Okay. I, was, I was just trying to write interesting stories. Yeah. Uh, yeah, comics did that for three years. That yeah. was another thing. Yeah. I often forget about the comics. I have not forgotten. <laughs> uh, making comics was fun. I'd love to do that again. It's very expensive. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, listener, if you think about making comics, don't. <laughs> or, or you better know how to draw as well. Yes, if you can draw as well, baby, you're you're. It's still a lot of money, but that's one cost down, and that's a big cost. Yeah. So uh, I worked with Jarrell for three years, and then he abandoned me. Uh oh. <laughs> Jarrell and Alex. God, I mean, y'all. gosh. Oh, Alex didn't abandon me. Jarrell <laughs> abandoned me. I. I okay. So. <laughs> I'll talk shit about Jarrell for a second. Okay, I don't care about this. He's never going to listen to it. Nope, he's not. I know he's not because well, I'll tell you why. Oh, wait, yeah, he's going to tell us why he's not going to listen. I'll tell you exactly why he's not going to listen because he'll never know. Um, he so uh, because he's dead. Is he dead? He, <laughs> he, he passed away. God rest his soul. We miss you, Jarrell. <laughs> Did I say abandoned? Um, <laughs> so Jarrell, um, I wanted to make a comic. I started getting super into comics after I saw The Dark Knight. I mean, I've always been into him a little bit, me and Caleb, but both like... I'm not a nerd. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, we always love Batman. Always We're love big Batman. animated series fans, yeah, and, and obviously we went to see all the movies, and we yep. would touch base with comics here and there. But then after The Dark Knight came out, I was like, holy crap, this movie's amazing, which, by the way, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I still think it's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's got a one great performance around it. That's true. And that's it. Can't deny that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll never deny it. God, God rest his soul. Heath Ledger, uh, you, who is actually who is dead. Really, you're the real, you're the real Joker. He was you're the real Joker, yeah. baby. We don't need a uh, whole Joaquin. Get out of here. <laughs> have, you seen, have you seen, did you see the new one? Yeah, yeah. And? 
Uh, it was a good movie. I'll never watch it again. Really? Preach. I want to I watch it again. Uh-uh. I really liked it. Go back um, to what you were talking about, comics. <laughs> anyways, comics. yeah, comics. Um, <laughs> so after The Dark Knight came, came out, I was just like, yo, this is sick. I'm going to start reading comics. And uh, there was a preview for The Watchmen in Dark Knight. And I was like, yeah, this is nuts. And I'd never heard of Watchmen before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went out and got that. And I bought um, The Dark Knight Returns, which is a Frank Miller book uh, that rules. And from there, I just like, I mean, it got to a point where I had a weekly pull list, which I do again, because I can afford it again now. I've nice. been reading comics, and it's sick. I'm really in, I'm really enjoying enjoying comics, because it got to the point where very much like with stand-up, where I, like, I could hardly read a comic because I was so, which is how I ruin everything that I like in my life. I was like, I'm, I really like this. I, I might try and do this. And then I'm like, God, I hate this. <laughs> um, so, uh, so then I was like, I want to make a comic. And I didn't know anything about how that get, got done. Um, but I started writing. And then I started, I got on Instagram. And I started searching hashtags like comic book artists, whatever. Found this guy, Jarrell who wasn't incredible, but he had a really interesting style that I liked. Um, and so I started messaging that dude and then we started working together. And then, so then we did this book hoods. This was like a real high point for me. It took us from the time I started writing it to holding the first issue in my hands. It took us about a year to make the first issue wow. of hoods. And, and how, like, how long was of an issue is that? Is 28 pages. 28 pages a year. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really putting some content out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the first time I held, like, they sent us, like, a test copy of it, I was just like, oh, man. It felt it was the same size. It was a real comic book and the right paper I had to learn about. That's, like, all this stuff you would never even consider is, like, printing and formatting and, and what kind of paper stuff is going to be printed on. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Um, that was a real high point. I was just like, man, it was nothing. And now it's real. Right. Uh, so that was cool. Then we made a couple other books and then he decided he didn't want to do, uh, work with me anymore. Um, not, not even like he wasn't like, I don't want to work with you. He was just like, (laughs) I don't know if I'm going to keep making comics. Uh, Uh, and he now works for Warner brothers animation doing storyboards. Really? So you're welcome. Jarrell. Wow, dude. Because here's the propelled him to greatness. Here's the thing, I uh, I get upset about is Jarrell was not that great, and he was kind of lazy. But I would work him. I would be like, this isn't. I'd make him redo stuff if I didn't <laughs> like it. Um, and and if I didn't like it, it would it would be because something was weird about it. It's or because it has to be the way you wanted it to or, be. Yes, but like it would just be like this doesn't look good. Yeah. So I would work him, and it got to the point like where we made the grands, which was the last thing we made it's like a pretty good looking book and it's miles ahead of like the first issue of hoods. So I feel like I, I worked him out a lot and then he got a job at Warner <laughs> brothers and no, which isn't, I mean, and that's you're not so happy me. he works salty. He worked, <laughs> he worked hard on his own stuff and he lives in LA. Like he had the opportunity to make that happen. I didn't. And I don't even know that I'd want to work for Warner brothers studios or whatever, but like, the other thing is just like he was just a dude that I talked to on the phone pretty much every day for three years and like he had a crush on this girl and I was like, You should ask that girl out or whatever and him and that girl have a baby now. Wow. And they're married and stuff. And he 
we haven't talked in a long time. He just like stopped calling me. And I noticed the other day that he had unfollowed me on Instagram. <laughs> wow. And I was just like, wow, that's very harsh. This is like a soap opera in front of our eyes. You have to play some sad music under that part. Okay, yeah, we'll edit get that some in violence for sure. Going. Can we get some of that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. Anyways, Jarrell, stop wanting to be my uh, friend. I guess. Dang, bummer. He yeah. got he got too big. I guess. Whatever. Um. So tell me about. So um. I mentioned earlier that you have one of the th- things that I definitely want to ask you about was being creative and all this stuff, and all that stuff is like you know. There's the whole mindset of the nine to five job, and then people now are like wanting to, you know, live the dream and be like an, a movie star, and th- they hate living in the cubicle type thing. Sure. Um, but you have four kids. Yeah. And you've had a kid since you were 18, 17, 18? 18. 18. Uh, so you've been working in the cubicle since then, right? Yeah. So tell me how you are able to do all these things and still have a huge family and work. I don't sleep. That's that a big the part of it. Do you take like Adderall or something to uh, <laughs> no. like do some drugs to get you going? <laughs> yeah, going I do or? coke. <laughs> <laughs> Store lines of coke. <laughs> yeah, that's like the real secret behind all this. Is got a it? Lot okay. Of cocaine. So coke. So I need to uh, get some coke. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Got almost got no nose left. I look like Voldemort. <laughs> um, yeah. So this is uh, how do I do all these things? This is a question I get asked by a lot of people. Perfect. They're like, how do you do the things that you do? <laughs> There's nothing I hate more than when somebody that, that who's <laughs> not in than someone who's not in my particular situation when they're like, ah, I don't think I'm gonna have time for that. And I'm like, yeah, I guess not. <laughs> Must be real tough mm-hmm. trying to fit that in. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because if you really want to do something, you can find the time for do, it. So you get annoyed when people say, uh, I didn't have enough time to do that. Cause I do. Uh, I do all the time. Or if they're like, I don't know if I can make that or whatever. Or like, it just, if somebody that has less responsibility than I do is like, I can't make this. I'm like, yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know how I know? Cause I'm making it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but a lot of that is due to my wife. Um, who, like, like I said, discovered that I need to do these things and then was just stopped. Not that she wasn't supportive before, but she started being openly supportive. Mm. Like she was like, you should go do this thing. Like she's been, she's really pushing the ban right now. Like I'm trying to figure out how to do some amount of touring throughout the year and make that work with my work schedule and stuff. And she's been trying to help me think of plans. And she was like, maybe you should go by yourself because that's, that's the one downer about being in a band is uh, coordinating Mm -hmm. two other people's schedules too. And she was like, maybe you go by yourself, but you should go do it. Mm -hmm. Um, which is like her idea, not mine. Mm -hmm. So that's a big help. That's probably the biggest help is like, she's willing to whatever sit at home <laughs> at night with our children and she's not is, sitting at home either because she she just she just like got a degree and stuff um she's almost got her master's yeah got one, that's one uh, semester left pretty impressive yes and she just got a job um as the media uh what do you call it media center person she's a librarian at an elementary school nice um so she instantly started making uh, 20 grand more than me <laughs> <laughs> I know teachers don't get paid a lot, but I mean, I don't know what you guys are used to, but I feel like we're 
fucking rich right now. Like, it's insane, dude. <laughs> I've been living off what, like, we've been living off what just I make for a decade, and then she instantly started making 20 grand more than me. I'm like, we're rich. This is, cr- what are we going to do with all this money? It's going to be spilling out of our house. <laughs> Get a pool list. That's what. <laughs> um, which is pretty sick. Which, it, it, it's put me in an interesting predicament because the, her going to school was in my eyes a means to an end it's just like we learned how to live off one person so that eventually i could try and pursue these creative endeavors a little more Mm -hmm. and then we got to that position and i'm feeling like well we have all this money (laughs) can i give up all this money Mm mm-hmm to do these things so now we're trying to decide if that's a thing it's certainly a thing we could do here's the thing it's like if i quit she is making again way more than we lived off of for a decade yeah (laughs) so we're still gonna have more money uh but while i'm working still making what i made and she makes uh, i mean i feel like we're just throwing money around it's insane (laughs) I had a quilt made out of it. <laughs> <laughs> a quilt made of money. Um, so that's like a thing. We're I kind of want to ask navigate. you. I kind of want to ask you about uh, some of the. How long have you been married, or how long have you been with Jackie since y'all had the kid? You're thirty. Since so we, fourteen years, right? Um, Is my math correct? Yes. Eighteen to thirty-two. Well, but kid. we've been to, we've been together since we were seventeen. Camden, not the kid. Camden <laughs> is his name. So we've been together since we're seventeen. I'm I'm thirty-two. She's getting ready to be thirty-three. So fifteen years. So yeah. uh, I kind of want to ask you about fifteen years is a long time. I've been married actually exactly half of that, almost half of that. Uh, t- what's something that you've learned being with your wife for so long, um, and having four children and doing all of these things? Uh, lots of stuff. Impart some wisdom. You don't. Uh, <laughs> there's no joke. <laughs> there is no joke. <laughs> there is a lot of things. I guess the biggest thing, well, this isn't even the biggest thing. This is just a thing. You don't necessarily have to have anything in common for it to work just fine. Um, we do have tons of stuff in common, but as we've gotten older, we have less and less in common, but I feel like we're closer and closer. I guess the most important thing is really just to be, to get with somebody and it's hard to tell, I guess, like it's be impossible to, to tell, but I kind of get sick of everybody, but I don't ever get sick of my wife. Mm-hmm. I could hang out with her all the time. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like the number one thing. Um, to find somebody you don't get tired of. Um, and grow together, I guess. Like, um, you change a lot between 17 and 32. No doubt. Um, and this is probably just luck, but we just grew in the same direction. Mm-hmm. We could have grown apart, and that would have been perfectly reasonable. We were children <laughs> with a baby. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, there are there, uh, three other people that are in our graduating class that had babies within a year of us. Um, all those people are not together anymore. Really? So they also all went out and got married, which we did not. That's another thing. If you knock somebody up, you don't have to marry them. For God's <laughs> sake, what are you? <laughs> what are you living in the 1920s? Your dad's got a shotgun at you. Get out of here. <laughs> you don't have to marry that person. How long was it until y'all got married? <coughs> we got married when Camden was two. Okay. 
she was also pregnant again. Nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the second piece of advice is have all of your kids quick and get a vasectomy. Here's the thing. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't suggest anybody have kids super young, but if you do, there are some perks. It's like this is not a good analogy, but here it goes. <laughs> It's like if you know you have homework due on Monday and it's Friday and you just knock it all out on Friday. <laughs> just and get it's it done. done. It's just done. Get it done. You got the rest of your weekend to yourself. Get it over with, which sounds bad. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like uh, there are there are perks to it, which is just like for starters, we were young and are young ourselves. Like we have energy, mm-hmm. a younger person's energy for younger kids. Like I don't get tired and stuff. Is probably as bad as I would if I was like in whatever my mid to late thirties or something. Um, we are going to get to see a lot more of their life. I will, you know, barring cancer or something, <laughs> I'll likely get to meet great grandkids. Like you know, that I'm going to get to see a lot more. And also, our kids are going to be like at the point at the at the point in life where you are probably financially doing the best. And you're done making mistakes and stuff like that. Um, all our kids are going to be fully grown and out of our house, mm-hmm. uh, which was pretty sick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we'll have like, you know, that's when people are like really in the throes money. of like raising their kids. Yeah. We, we will not be doing that. We'll be able to hang out with each other or whatever. And make some cool. more money quilts. Yeah. More money quilts. <laughs> um, so that's, you know, something to look forward to, I guess. Um, so more of a semi quick fire. I want to hear about what you pull, uh, what are your creative inspirations in general? Like we talked about Blink-182 earlier. Sure. Obviously a huge impact. Blink-182 is legit. I don't care who you are and what you say. I love them. They're the best band, even if they're not anymore. Right. Exactly. (laughs) They're on a pedestal all their own. Uh, I mean, for different things. Well, I already did the comedy ones, which is like I'm super inspired by Rory Scovel, Matt Bronger, Hampton Yunt, Dave Ross, Mark Norman. Love those dudes. Musically, Blink-22, obviously. The starting line, Reliant K, is a huge one. Um, and then there's like newer bands that I'm like really into. Uh, this guy, Jeff Rosenstock, is really awesome. This band, Pup, is really good. Um, comic book stuff. Scott Snyder, Jeff Lemire, big guys I, I super like. I'll read anything that those dudes write. Um, that's it. That's it. <laughs> I mean, Wes there's more. Anderson? But it, huh? Wes Anderson? Oh, Wes Anderson. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's g- good pull. I wasn't thinking <laughs> about movies. Yes, Wes Anderson. I love Wes Anderson so much so that I got him tattooed on my arm. <laughs> <laughs> Did y'all have any questions? Well, I was kind of. I, mean, I don't know if you, you might not want to even answer this without. I guess maybe who knows you might. Are there are there comedians out there that are just totally overrated now that you've done it? You know, you've done the stand up life. Are there some that are like like popular comedians that people love, and you you can kind of pick their stuff apart and be like, eh, he sucks. Um, who sucks out there? Who sucks, dude? <laughs> I don't even know that I could say they suck. Like, I, I had a friend of mine ask me recently. He works with a lady that I do comedy with. Sometimes she's a teacher and he's a teacher. He was like, hey, this lady said she knows you. Is she funny? And I was like, is she funny? <laughs> that no, depends. You, you took way too much time to answer the question. <laughs> well, that, that's the thing is, like, I've seen her do well plenty of times. I don't think she's funny. 
but that's just my opinion. And that's my my opinion on comedy is ultra nuanced, which is just like if somebody asks me, like, hey, I'm thinking about booking this person for a show, should I book them? There have been plenty of people that I don't think are funny at all that I'll still say yes for because I know that they actually are funny, even if I don't think they are. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about bigger comedians, too, is just like, I mean, not your I, taste, I not might your not like this, but they're making an arena of people laugh, which is pretty undeniable. Yeah. So who am I? Got you. Uh, so what's up next for you? More band stuff. Is um, the, you said that? Did you say earlier that y'all are putting together more music, or yeah. is it the tour primarily? I'm working on some tour stuff. We're probably going to be coming here. Nice. Um, in um, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Baton yeah, Rouge, Louisiana. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, yeah, I'm putting together the punk just rock like capital of the a, world. A little. Well, I met this band. We played a show with this band called Wonder Kid. That's from Hammond. Mm. They were on tour. And I uh, hung out with them, and we super got along. I don't know if that was just the Louisiana yeah. and all of us <laughs> or whatever. Um, and uh, so I made contact with them, and like we got we hung out that entire day. It was like a whole day long festival situation. Um, so I'm going to be talking to them, but we're trying to do like a, just a really small run where I'm probably going to go to Tallahassee, to Birmingham, to here. <laughs> And then make our way back home and hit Jacksonville on the way back home. So just like a four-day, like long weekend type thing. But because I know those guys, they said anytime we want to hit them up, that'll probably be in April. And I'm working on new music. I've written like 12 songs or Sweet. something so far, which we've I've started demo. And we've started to hash out together. And then um, we have uh, three-ish slightly larger record labels that are courting us to put out our next thing and uh that's what's going on with that sweet real quick because i mean what's the makeup of y'all's band is it three piece four piece three piece i play guitar and sing uh my buddy jim plays drums and my friend jordan plays bass cool uh which we had zero regard for in recording our first album they're gonna sound pretty different tonally between this and the next one because Again, I wasn't planning on ever playing any shows, so I had very <laughs> little regard for how many guitar parts I was writing, which has been kind of fun, figuring out what the three-piece version of those songs are and making it work. I use a looper here and there and stuff to get what needs done done. Mm -hmm. I've got like a, a true uh, bypass. I'm playing through multiple amps to give it like a fuller sound. Mm -hmm. Um which is annoying to carry that much crap <laughs> around. That's a, that's a big ring. <laughs> Sounds great, though. Um, <laughs> what guitar do you play? I play a uh, Tele Deluxe Chris Shiflet uh, signature. What amps? A Vox uh, AC15 and a Fender Reverb Deluxe. Cool. Those are the last two amps that I owned. Oh, they're both great. They are both wow. great. Wow. Y'all have something in common <laughs> right here in front the, of us. On the and album, I play a though, 72 Deluxe. <laughs> uh, Jim, Jim has an army of guitars, so on the album, what I used is a million different guitars. Sweet. I think the only song, or the only guitar I used on every single song was a 1968 uh, SG because it's a rock and roll guitar and it Heck sounds yeah, it so sick with distortion. Heck yes, it does. 
does not stay in tune. What do you think that do you think that uh, you create better with unlimited freedom or with uh, some pressure? Um, well, I put pressure on myself. I never have. There's no. I'll like halfway through this fun recording project, I started beating myself over the head with it constantly, which is what I do. Mm. Um, so there's no amount of pressure anybody else could put on me that I'm not already putting on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which has only gotten worse with like some, I struggle to say success, but like I'm nervous about the next record because we put this one out with nothing. We'd never played a live show. There was nothing as far as the world concerned was concerned. Virginity was not a thing. And then all of a sudden there was a thing and a lot of people liked it. And now there will be some amount of like expectation, which I'm nervous about because I does it like hamper to... your, your endeavor at the moment I... with the songwriting. Do you feel yourself like thinking about that more? I'm trying not to, I'm trying to do what I did the first time, which is write super candid lyrics. Like if anybody here listens to the album, you'll hear it. You'll be like, wow. These, this is pretty dark stuff. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to just do that same thing. This one's a lot more uh, introspective, I guess. The last album's a lot about my stepdad, mm. <laughs> which I pretty much blatantly say in the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> this one's a lot more about me. This is a lot more about like my own mental health stuff, which is like, it's like another thing is like, I'm a pretty super depressed person. Like I spend three out of seven days of the week feeling not great, uh, which I try to keep from hampering my family. Mm-hmm. But I spend a lot of time uh, by myself when I'm at home. <laughs> like once my kids are in bed, I will just go be by myself and sit and be like, wow. You suck. <laughs> so there's that aspect of it too. And that's what a lot of these songs are about. Get ready for a fun time. <laughs> Sounds like it's going to be. These songs are funner sounding, not lyrically at all, but they're funner sounding. I tried to, that's like another important thing to me, I'll say about songwriting is uh, I cannot stand a band that's really good at their instruments and doesn't have a single hook in any of their songs. Mm. Like to me, it's important also and as well as like you can have like the deepest meaningful verse in the world. Um, but if your chorus doesn't get stuck in my head, then your song is trash and worthless to me. <laughs> Uh, and that's what I strive for is I would like songs to get stuck in people's head, which I think I accomplished pretty well with the first one. Yeah. I was actually listening to it yesterday and listening to it while I was working and I, uh, I punched a hole in my wall. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that line's great. The Southern Baptist cliche line is really good too. Um, the, uh, so I was sitting there listening to it while I was working and like, you know, you work and like your mind is on the work, less on the music. And then my mind comes back to hearing what I'm listening to. And I'm like, man, this is, this is such a great song. Where did I, oh, this is Casey. It was like, 
it was like some song that it has been stuck in my head for like 10 years and it, I came back to hearing the music as I was playing and I was like that's you, you know that's a really good song whenever you that's, have that you that's feel how like I, you've known it for a long time <laughs> that's how I knew this album was good um, which I'm I'm getting comfortable with saying that it's good it's totally fine it's a safe place <laughs> is uh, I had a lot of people uh, friends of mine and people I don't know that well say something to the effect of this to me and it's been said so many times that it's it's bordering on an insult <laughs> where they're just like yeah it's just like it's so good like it doesn't sound like it's you <laughs> like i don't feel like this could possibly There's have no been way you could have attained this this couldn't have been you because it sounds like a real band but i know you <laughs> <laughs> i'm like thank you i guess <laughs> uh I am uh I am out of questions. And I got one. No, nope, we're f- done. The uh, podcast is over. No, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Chase is a comedian too. <laughs> Definitely not. You learned I'm how to walking out of here right now. I've learned. <laughs> Dude, remember that one time Devin did that on Smashville, but it really sounded like he walked away? Yeah, I absolutely remember that. <laughs> <laughs> what is the funniest you have ever been? What is the funniest I have ever been? the night before your wedding that's the correct answer (laughs) (laughs) the night before caleb's wedding we went and saw no no it was the rehearsal dinner was it the rehearsal dinner Uh, i thought it was when we were eating at ihop afterwards literally the best memory of my wedding like sure my wife doesn't hear this (laughs) that's not true but like the second best memory of my wedding was uh rehearsal dinner you give your speech you didn't have an honest to goodness joke in it no, killed jokes. the room, ki- like murdered. Literally, we had to revive her back to life. <laughs> Andrew Hart's wife, Rebecca, oh, yes. <laughs> who just—it was the best part. I don't remember a word you said because I just remember her laughing the whole time. Oh, uh, I remember. I opened it because Alan went right before me, and I kept asking him. <laughs> I asked him ten times because I didn't really prepare anything. I said, "Yo, I didn't like super prepare. Did you? Because if you did, I'm gonna." And he was like, "I didn't." And I was like, you didn't. You did not super prepare for this. And he was like, no. And I was like, you're going from the heart. <laughs> and he was like, yeah. And I was like, all right. And then he went right before me and he pulls out an index card, moves his fingers to the side, and then 10 more index cards taped together <laughs> fell down, which was his big joke. But I'm sure you could audib- audibly hear me in the room when those cards <laughs> fell. I went, son of a bitch. <laughs> And then I got up and immediately addressed this. I was just like, hey, guys, I don't really. I asked him. Everybody, I just want you to know, I asked Alan, the other best man, how much he prepared. He said he didn't. And then we got 10 cards falling. And then I, again, don't remember anything you said. Just Rebecca Hart just laughing uncontrollably the whole time through. Oh, so great. So was this before your stand up career? Yes. Yeah, here's uh, a bit before. This is a behind the scenes look. Your first night of going up was my birthday, right? Uh, Did you go up on December December third? Yeah. And I I asked him to like not do stand up. He did tell me not to do stand up because <laughs> every listen obviously to a lot of podcasts with comedians. Every every second podcast is of a comedian. Um. It's a fact. But uh, they all talk about depression. I was just like, I just don't want you to go down that road. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, little did I know that depression would make a great album in virginity. So I'm glad that you. I'm glad that you did that. I'm glad your depression amuses me. I greatly. mean, I was already depressed. <laughs> yeah, if anything, kids. it neutralized it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyways, go listen to my album with time, virginity, and uh, more streams, baby. Get them streams <laughs> Get up. The it's streams all that matters. Going for six digits. Is it yeah. all on Spotify? It's on Spotify, iTunes Music, all the places you can find music, and uh, look it up. Look it up. Stream it. That's all that matters to me, baby. Numbers. You're all numbers. <laughs> Do it. Every so- every time you stream one song, I make a fraction of a penny, baby, <laughs> and I'm about to have $40. <laughs> Dude, Casey, thanks so much for hanging out. Thanks for Part of your me. vacation. This is your vacation week, right? This is my vacation. Official vacation. I spent week. yesterday uh, just uh, violently having diarrhea <laughs> and being passed out for 16 hours. Wow. Going great. So quite far. a mess in the bed. He was nervous to come <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> Yummy. <laughs> well, thanks for spending part of your vacation. I know this is going to be the highlight of your trip here in Absolutely. <laughs> Anytime I'm not with my kids. <laughs> and shout out to the wives and kids for giving up Casey and Caleb to come hang out. And shout out to Carl Wiggers, our DJ. Sweet. Thanks a lot, dude. Had fun. Thanks, buddy. You too. Hope you have a a safe trip back to Daytona. I will do that. And I hope we get another album very soon. At some point. And we're going to play some of that music on the outro for this podcast. Yeah, do it. Do you get permission? Do I have permission? You don't need any. (laughs) Are you going to sue me? or? Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening to episode number five of my podcast with Casey Crawford. Thanks again to Casey for driving the long 12 hours with your family just to be on my podcast. I really appreciate it, and I hope driving 24 hours in one day was not too much for you. Really, again, appreciate you sacrificing the time to be on this incredible podcast. And if you are interested in following what Casey's up to, seeing some of his stand-up, hearing some of his music, you should check him out on Instagram. His handle is Casey B. Crawford. Also, you can search for his band on iTunes. The band name is Virginity. And looking for more music to come out soon. Before you leave, make sure that you turn up the volume because starting right now, you're going to hear from our sponsor for this episode, Virginity. Your best.